Welcome to episode 26 of Third Heaven Authority Podcast. I'm Mike Thompson. In today's episode, I want to do something a little differently. Of course, we're going to stay on the subject of Third Heaven Authority, one of the very important dynamics that's connected with that. The subject will be warfare in the heavenlies. But I really want to do a little bit more of a Bible study because I want to make sure that there's some good scriptural grounding for all the things that we've been learning, the things that we have uh, becoming more fluent in practicing and walking in the Spirit. I want to do it from at least starting in Ephesians 6. In verses 10 and 11, Paul's wrapping up all of his teaching in this great book, and he says, Finally, my brethren. So he's talking to all of us. His final exhortation is, Be strong in the Lord, and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So in these two scriptures, we see that there is the Lord on one side and there's the devil on the other side. And so we represent the Lord's side. The struggle that's going on in the spiritual realm is between the kingdom of light and the Lord, the angels, the believers, against the kingdom of darkness, which is that of the devil and his minions, his demonic spirits. They're in the atmosphere. Remember, the reason I call it third heaven authority is because Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, the first four verses, talking about himself, says that he knew a man that he was caught up to third heaven. And that third heaven represented the throne room of God. And so we have discovered that the first heaven is the natural creation. It's the stellar heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars, and it includes the earth because they were all created so that there would be an environment for God's family, mankind, to operate and to live in and to have dominion in. The second heaven, of course, then is the spiritual atmosphere, that is around the earth. It's, it, it coexists with natural creation. And so you could walk in the spirit at the same time that you were walking in the natural realm. Now that spiritual realm, that spiritual atmosphere around the earth is the place to where there is spiritual activity, human spirits, demonic spirits, angelic spirits, the Holy Spirit. It's just the spiritual realm. Then we find that our struggle is in that realm. There's a tension there. What we call spiritual warfare is the tension that exists between those two opposing kingdoms, therefore those two opposing forces. And thank God, he is God. He always wins, and he has given us the authority over all the power of the enemy. So Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If we're going to be successful in our victory over the enemy in this life, uh, besides the victory we have of becoming born again and in heaven becoming our home, but in our daily affairs, in overcoming the wickedness and the influence of the demonic kingdom, then we have to be strong in the Lord. It's not a strength in our own abilities. It's not by our uh, natural uh, talents. It's the strength that comes because of who Jesus Christ has made us in the spiritual realm, new creations in him. 
and the authority that he's giving to us. So our strength is in the Lord and in the power of his might. The word strength there, be strong. It literally means in the Greek text to become strengthened, to grow stronger. And that's something that we do on purpose. So we take it upon ourselves to grow stronger in the Lord and to do it in the power of his might. Then we put on the whole armor of God. It's interesting to me because the apostle Paul was in house arrest at that particular point in the Roman garrison. And he was looking out of the window every day and watching all of these Roman soldiers marching around. And he noticed how that they were dressed. They were dressed in their armor. And so they were the greatest force, fighting force, an army on the face of the earth at the time. And so he took that and he brought the analogy into the spiritual realm because he realized that we were the greatest fighting force in the spiritual realm, that we had the power of the Lord Jesus Christ who had already defeated the enemy. And so he began to describe that armor in spiritual terms. But he says, put on the armor of God. Now, I firmly believe that the armor is given to every believer when we're born again, because the armor really is the revelation of who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm not going to teach on all of the revelation of the armor today, but I do want you to see that you have to put it on. Even though it's part of the new birth, it is acquired and purposely put on every day by walking in the revelation, understanding who we are in him. Then it says that it's in the power of his might. Now, an interesting thing is that the word power there is the Greek term kratos. And kratos means ruling power. In other words, it's talking about power that comes from authority. Jesus has authority in heaven. Remember in Matthew 28, he said, all authority and all power has been given unto me both in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you go. He has the authority. He had it as God, but he came as the God-man. He walked on the face of the earth, subjected himself to the temptations that the first Adam had failed. He then became sin for us, even though he knew no sin, died, was raised from the dead, conquered death, hell, and the grave, not for himself, but for us, that we could be raised with him and have that authority. So when he says become strengthened in the Lord, we do it in the power of his might, the ruling power and authority that he has given and delegated unto us. When it says might, it's the Greek term iskus, which means endowed power. So in other words, we're walking in what he himself has in heaven because he is the head and we are the body on earth. And so he has the ruling power and authority because of the endowed power that was given to him as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world and the one who had earned the place at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Now, talking about that power and authority, there's a scripture over in the first chapter that I think will kind of show us 
what that kind of power is. Look at verse 19. If you're reading your Bible, if not, just listen to me. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? See, he said, to be strengthened in the power of the Lord. Become strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So what kind of power? He says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power? So he's going to explain that power. Toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he describes the power of the Lord. So what is the power of the Lord that we're supposed to become strong in? He says here that it is the power that worked in him in his resurrection that raised him up and seated him at the right hand of the Father. So that tells me that the strength that we're supposed to get from him and the power of his might is in connection with his being raised up and seated in heavenly places. Therefore, we are operating in that same power. Now, what's interesting is that in the 19th verse, perhaps I've shared this in prior episodes, but is the only verse in the New Testament that lists all four words, Greek terms, for the word power. And what that symbolizes is that all of the power of God at his disposal and working through Jesus was at display when he was raised from the dead. And that that full power, everything that heaven has, was also working in us when we, like Jesus and through Jesus, were raised from the dead. But let me show you what these powers are. What is the greatness of him? In verse 19, he said, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? That word power, P-O-W-E-R, is a Greek term, dunamis. And it's a word that means an intrinsic inherent power. It's something that's on the inside. Uh, you can think in the English language like dynamite or dynamo. It has the ability to produce a lot of power, but it's there and it's resting. So what was that power that was toward us? He goes on and he says, according to the working. The word working is the Greek term energeia. It's like energy. In other words, it's released power. So the dormant power that was within him, the inherent power that he possessed was released as energy. You know, it's one thing to be strong and you can say, I can lift or bench press 500 or 300 pounds. 500 is a lot. I, I know a guy that can bench press 600, but let's say 300 pounds. And that's pretty strong. Until you actually get under the weight and lift it, the energy isn't applied to it. It was working in Jesus. It was released to accomplish something. 
the working of his mighty. And the word mighty is a word kratos. It means ruling power, kind of ruling power that takes authority and it commands. And then it says of his mighty power. And that word power is a Greek term, iskus. And iskus means an endowed power that's given to him. Jesus received the authority and the power of the kingdom of heaven because he left his estate. He, he left heaven, came to the earth, suffered, died, was raised from the dead, and by inheritance, he obtained a name which was above every name. He, in, he attained the authority. It was given to him by conquest. He also got it because it was endowed upon him because God in heaven had reserved that name and reserved that authority for the one who would be the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, who would put down the enemy, as it says in Colossians and also in Hebrews, the one who would paralyze and destroy the works of the enemy. Praise God. So basically what verse 19 says, the intrinsic power that was contained within Jesus as being the great God-man was released as energy and it connected with the ruling authority and ability and the endowed ability that was in him. All of those powers were released. Now, my point is this. When he said, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, he was talking about that strength, that might, that ability. Jesus destroyed Satan's power over those who would accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and would walk in the kingdom and the authority that he had given unto them. Now, remember, it's to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles are the deceitful tactics. It's the strategies. It's the things that the enemy uses. In Ephesians 1 verse 3, Paul talking about us says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So we have all the spiritual blessings, all the authority, etc., but it's in heavenly places in Christ. We get all of our authority by being in Christ, by being seated with him. In fact, uh, you know what it says, what is the exceeding greatness of him, of his power toward us who believe? And then it goes on and says that it seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Chapter 2, verse 6 says, and raised us up together and made us to sit together in those heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians 6, 12, it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So word heavenly places in Ephesians is actually talking about the heavenlies, the spiritual realm. The word places is added at the hands of the translator uh, because they wanted to emphasize uh, what that word spirituality was talking about. The spiritualities that we walk in are all of the things that have been given to us 
uh, in the spiritual realm, part of our makeup as believers, the tools, the equipment, the graces, everything, the name of Jesus, the word of God, all spiritual graces, all of those things are ours in the heavenlies. And so this warfare is in the heavenlies. That's what I'm trying to emphasize right at this particular point, is that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So we realize that. Remember, we're talking about becoming strengthened in the Lord and in the power of his might. So the first thing we want to recognize is that it is a spiritual walk. It is a spiritual warfare. It is a spiritual battle. That's why the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Uh, We do it in the spiritual realm. And notice that it says that we are seated with him in the heavenly places. So we develop the perspective of actually being with Christ in heaven, seated with him, seated in his power and authority and his ability third heaven authority, to overcome all of the deceitful tactics of the enemy here in life. You know, he is a great deceiver. He influences people in wickedness. He brings condemnation and fear. He's a great tempter, the Bible says. When Jesus was in in the wilderness after being baptized by John in the Jordan River, it says that when he went to the wilderness that the tempter came and labels him as Satan, the devil. The devil is the tempter. God's not the tempter. He's not the one who brings things against you to test and try. Now, he's on the other side watching what you're doing with the temptation. He'll empower you to strengthen you over the temptation to get you through it. He's very concerned about what you do with the temptation and that you become victorious. So therefore, he is then proving you and proving himself and all that I'm talking about today in you and in your life as you overcome. Now, there's another thing here in Ephesians 2. It says, and you he made alive, that's verse 1, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Remember that world, that word world. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Before you were saved, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. The prince of the power of the air is a spirit. So Satan here is called the prince of the power of the air. He has rulership ability in the air. You got it? Now in Mark 4, verse 4, It talks about uh, in the parable of the sower, how that the sower goes out and a good farmer and he would cast seed. Remember biblical days, they didn't have big combines and and, uh, or uh, tillers and all the things that we have at this particular point for sowing seed, planting, etc. So very often they would go and just throw the seed. And some of the seed would land in areas where they would be walking or it hadn't been tilled. Uh, up, and the earth turned, and so it was hard packed. Some of it would go into areas where there was still rock and not much topsoil. Some of it would fall in areas where the weeds would creep in from the outside, and the weeds would try to choke it and 
not give it the proper um, nutrients. It would rob the nutrients from it. But most of it, hopefully, was good ground. If it had been a good farmer and knew what he was doing, the ground was ready for the seed. When the seed is sown, that Satan comes immediately to steal the word of God out of our hearts because he says the seed of the kingdom is the word of God. Satan comes. Now, remember, he's the prince and power of the air. But on the hard-packed earth, it tells us that some of the seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. He is the prince of the power of the air, not talking about the oxygen, talking about the spiritual atmosphere, second heaven realm. He is the one who operates and has authority there because his temptation against Adam and Eve, they yielded to that temptation and gave him the authority to operate through them in the air. There's an interesting scripture also in 1 Corinthians 9.26 where Paul was talking about how that we are not those who fight by beating the air. And again, air, atmosphere, spiritual realm, activity of demonic spirits. We don't beat the air in just like shadow boxing. The Holy Spirit is within us and allows us then to have instruction and wisdom, discernment, and the ability to destroy the enemy and to bind and to loose in the air. In Matthew 12, 24, there's a scripture. It says that the Pharisees heard what was going on and they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. So even they understood that Satan was the ruler of the demons. They called him Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, ruler. But there is a command structure there. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age. See, there's another term in reference to Satan. God of this age has blinded who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So he's telling us that God gives us the ability here, and I'll read a couple of scriptures, to overcome this age. Satan is the God of this age. This age isn't specifically a time frame. It is the mass of thought. In fact, in Galatians 1 verse 4, God gave himself for our sins, Jesus did, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God and Father. This present evil age. So the age is talking about the entire mass of thinking, philosophy, the mindset of humans in community as they formulate things without the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Satan is the God of this age. He influences and he controls people through that false wisdom and false truth. 
even if it has to deal with some natural facts, it is a perversion. It is a wrong um, conclusion because they're operating by false wisdom. In Ephesians 1 verse 21, it says that we have been raised above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Jesus was raised up above that age, this present age, and he empowers us to do so, so that we break the power of this present evil age off of us and we renew our minds. In Ephesians 6, 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So again, heavenly places, the heavenlies, the demonic influence comes down and affects this age. Now, the difference between age and world, in John 12, 31, Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. So Satan now is called the ruler of this world. He's not only the one, the wicked spirit in heavenly places in the spiritual atmosphere. He's not only the prince and the power of the air. He's not only Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. But he also is the God of this world, and he has already been judged. He will be cast into the lake of fire, the end of all things. But what's interesting here is in Luke 4, verses 5 and 6, then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him. In other words, during Jesus's temptation by Satan. All the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. See, the devil showed him the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Jesus didn't contest the fact that he was the God of the world or that these kingdoms and the influence in the world And the authority over these kingdoms was actually his, that Satan had it at that point, been given to him by Adam and Eve. He didn't contest that. But the temptation was, Jesus, you came in order to win them back. But I've got a better way. You know it's going to be pain and suffering. You know that it's going to be hard on you. But the deception that Satan was throwing at him is, I've got another way. If you'll just worship me, I will give you all these things that you came for, and I'll give you their authority. But we knew that Jesus resisted the temptation, and that Jesus gained all authority because of his death and resurrection. In John 16, 11, again, another scripture where it says that the ruler of this world is judged. In Romans 12, 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world. Now, what's the difference between age and world? Age is talking about the entire mass or system of thought, the way that humanity operates without the revelation of God. 
But world is actually talking about all of the physical people, all of the different nations, talking about how they operate. It's the kingdoms of the earth. It's mankind in general. The ruler of this world has been judged. And do not be conformed to this world because the world contains the present evil age. In 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5, it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So we have overcome the world. It doesn't matter how you look at it. The Scripture kind of approaches it from every facet about the spiritual realm, about how it affects the natural realm, that there is a devil. He's not just a, a, a figment of somebody's imaginations. There are demonic spirits, and they have power and control there. But Jesus has raised us up with him and seated us in the heavenlies so that we have power to break the devil's control of our lives, those that are around us, and those that we will minister to, that we will prophesy to, that we will witness to, that we will pray for. And we can do it in this age, this world, every place that Satan has influence against human beings. In Luke 10, 19, last scripture I'm going to read today, Jesus said, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. In other words, nothing will be left out. So we resist the devil and he flees from us. We resist him in temptations and in tribulations, but we also resist him by casting him out, by binding and loosing. And remember, Jesus did that. I mean, Jesus resisted his influence against Peter by saying, get behind me, Satan. But he also directly cast the legions out of the demoniac there in Gadara. The apostle Paul, who wrote most of these scriptures that we were reading, the ones in Ephesians particularly, you notice that he had to cast the spirit of divination out of that teenage fortune teller. They were willing to cast demons out. We have the ability to cast demons out, and all of it is in the name of Jesus because that is the name that has been reserved in heaven, has been given to Jesus, the name above every name that gives us the delegated authority that we have been talking about today. So, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I rise up in the Spirit now. I take the armor of God and put it on, and I take authority over all the power of the enemy in my life, against my family, and even those that are listening to this podcast right now. Lord God, I pray that the revelation of the Spirit of God would come upon them in the name of Jesus Christ. And at this particular moment, that, Lord, that they would feel the anointing, that they would understand that they have the power 
that they have the authority and they can defeat the enemy every turn of the way. And I pray for them now that they would become strengthened in the Lord and the power of his might. Praise God. I do encourage you to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform that you're listening. And don't miss an episode because we're going to continue on Third Heaven Authority. God bless each and every one of you. Be strong.